food and great times. We'll be talking it over with uh, Coach Brad Korn, Rob Martin, the Red Hawks point guard. Uh, I think he just sent his order back to the kitchen. He's going to be joining us, and uh, Coach Brad Korn is joining us as well. And uh, we'll get to talk with your uh, with your point guard, Rob Martin. You think he's nervous about going on the radio? I know he's nervous. He, he tries to act like he's not, but I know I know he is. There's no question in your mind. No, no. That's what's weird about athletes. You know, you put us in a 10,000, 12,000 seat arena, and you're like, no problem, because it's what you do and what you know. And then the second you got to get in the radio and talk to somebody, it's like, uh-oh. You start to, it's a different type of uh, nervousness, but uh, no, he'll be fine. There's a reason he plays the way he plays and um, competes the way he competes, so he'll be, he'll be all right. I, I use this uh, analogy sometimes. Uh, the New York Times did a study. A few years back, Jerry Seinfeld uses it in his stand-up routine uh, where they ask people what their top five greatest fears are. And number two was death. Public speaking was number one. (laughs) Death was number two behind public speaking. I mean, no offense to you, but I'm a little more fearful of uh, of dying than I am speaking to you or anybody else. But uh, so I would I would I'd balance that out a little bit. But I get it. It is. It's a. It can be. Especially in certain positions, or if you're, whether you're a good player, or you have to do radio shows or answer tough questions. It's uh, it can be tough. It can be tough, but as long as you're genuine and honest and um, uh, put some thought into it, you'll be all right. Not Rob does that. He'll be he'll be fine. You know, one of the things you put thought into was what you had to say to me on our post game interview uh, after the Lindenwood game. And you were talking about uh, how you were questioning your team's toughness. How tough are we? We weren't tough tonight. We've got to be tough. And, man, i got to think after your 52-47 win over SIU Edwardsville, uh, after the game you talked about your team's toughness. Can you coach toughness? Can you challenge guys and their competitiveness as Division One athletes or men, uh, and you can really coach them up in, in the toughness category? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of different things you can do. You've seen, even this year, Coach Izzo at Michigan State has talked about getting the football pads back out. Uh, and he's he tongue in cheek and made some remarks about how he's probably going to he'd be a, a lawsuit or something if he did that in, in today's age. But uh, absolutely, you can challenge guys, and I think guys want to be challenged. You know, of course, we're talking to Rob and about Rob today, but I think he's one of those guys that wants to get challenged. Uh, you might not always like it, uh, but how do you respond? It's always about your response. Uh, it's not about a reaction. To me, reaction is more emotion-based. Response is more discipline, practice-based. And so if you respond the right way instead of reacting, then you can have a game like you had against Edwardsville to where you – everything that we – it's not like we all of a sudden became brand-new players or put in a brand-new practice or got a brand-new player that was just eligible and all of a sudden we went and did that. that. That ability is always there for us. That's what was disappointing about Lindenwood. Maybe you lose the game against Lindenwood. You don't know that. But if you don't give yourself a chance or if you don't even – uh, it's more so the connectiveness of it on the defensive side against Leonard Wood. You let a guy go for 42 for really no reason other than you just let him go for 42. Uh, and then during a game and timeouts, yeah, we get timeouts and all that stuff to try to get some things corrected. But that's a bad time to wake up and decide to play. And unfortunately, it, it happened. But fortunately, we learned from it. Losses are only really losses if you don't learn. And I thought our guys learned from that. Uh, we've really, outside of Linwood, Eric, to be honest with you, in, in league play, I know our record hasn't showed it. We've played pretty good basketball. You know, we played Western Illinois pretty well. Uh, obviously, we played well against Southern Indiana. We played well against SIUE. Uh, we played well at Tech. Again, we just hit these stretches and these lulls like we did against Edwardsville. We went five minutes, six minutes, five minutes without a basket. But our toughness, our defense, our connectedness, if I connected, 
connectedness, however you want to say that word. Connective. We, that was there, and that gets you through those moments because you're always going to have those moments in a game, whether that's offensively or defensively. But if you have that, you can survive, and you can survive on toughness and defense, and we did that on Saturday. And what was interesting is in some of these games, like you go to Tennessee Tech where you say you had a five-minute scoring drought. Tennessee Tech was scoring yeah. during that time. In this game, when you had your droughts and you had some on Saturday, you held them without scoring. There were times where both teams went like three and a half, four minutes without scoring, but you were defending even though you weren't scoring. I think that's the difference between this game and the Tech game. Yeah, and the energy in which you defend. You know, of course, we were out there defending Tech, but it wasn't with the same passion and energy that we had against Edwardsville. And so, um, you know, and a lot of that has to come from the guys. You know, if, if they don't have it, we talk about it, but they had it on Saturday. And I think they, they have to find, that locker room has to find something within themselves before you can ever go to another place. And I think maybe, maybe Saturday was the first time that as a group, collectively, we found something within ourselves that they can hang their hat on. Uh, but just the whole energy level was up on the defensive side. And we didn't rely, like we talked about on the last coaches show, Eric, I thought in the tag game we were relying too much on scouting report, meaning that, well, we're going to switch this ball screen. And so now we're waiting for the switch instead of just guarding the guy first, then switching. We talked about A to B, and I think we had it backwards. We were, we were relying on the B part and never taking care of the A part. And I thought in Edwardsville we took care of the A part. And the A part is I'm going to guard my guy first. And then B is the scouting report. If I, if I get beat or if something happens, now I fall back on the scouting report. And I think for a little while there we were going a little bit backwards, speaking mainly on the defensive side. We're hanging our hat too much on the scouting report instead of just guarding the guy. And to give our guy, and I think that's what's been the fun thing about our group and our team is they want coaching. They want us to tell them what to do. But I think it was getting in the way a little bit, honestly, on defense because it's like I'm waiting for, I'm doing what you guys are telling me to do. And I think we as coaches missed the part of like, hey, let's just go back to let's let's guard them on principles first, then we'll get to the scout report if need be. And I thought we we did that for the first time for a duration on Saturday. Individually, I want to point out one defensive effort because in his career, Rayshon Taylor has had some big games against Seymour. He's had big games against everybody. He came into that game with 1,115 career points, 10th on their all-time scoring list. He's an explosive scorer, and he's one of those guys that can hit from 26 feet out. I mean, like Steph Curry range. He did not have a bucket in the game. Rayshon Taylor, all-conference player, 0 for 6. How big was that? And could you have even thought Rayshon Taylor would not have a bucket against SEMO? Probably not a not a bucket. We did talk before the game. It's like, hey, if he gets 15 points, he needs to take 15 shots. You know, he's going to get shots up. There's not a lot you can do as far as taking him completely out of the game. Uh, so I didn't think that we were going to be able to do the way, do it the way that we did. Uh, but I think our guys were ready, and, and Coach Wheeler did a fantastic job with the scout and having our guys prepared. I thought our big guys did a great job of being at the level of the ball screen and not letting him see daylight, and that's where he thrives. A lot of the scouting report, again, going back to that, with Rayshon, you mentioned Steph, and we're not comparing him to Steph, but the way that Steph moves without the ball. Your job is never done with Steph Curry because he moves so well without the basketball. Rayshon's the same way. He does a lot with the ball, but he can really go for seven, nine points in a hurry. In 45 seconds, even this year in league play, he has gone for nine points, seven points in 45 seconds. 
because he does such a good job of moving without the basketball. So a lot of people get caught up in what he's doing with the ball. I thought our guys did a great job of knowing where he was when he didn't have the basketball, which doesn't allow for those free looks, which doesn't allow for him uh, to see a couple go in and now have a bunch of confidence. Because if you get any three of those guys, you know, Rayshon gets a lot of attention, and rightfully so. Uh, Miner is an all-league tough, tough player. Um, but Shamar Wright is their leading scorer. So if you get two or three of those guys going on the same night, they're tough to beat, and that's why they're a good team, and they were picked high in the in the league, and they all came back from a year ago. So uh, I think our guys did a fantastic job all across the board. We let, we let Miner get loose on six at the end of the first half on an offensive rebound who was a guard that averages nine rebounds. That's a that's a big number for a guard. You take that from a big guy. Uh, so to have your leading, one of your leading scorers and a guard out front getting nine rebounds, he got offensive rebound, and then his patented move, hard right hand, pullback, we gave him a three and a two on that. So just right off the top of my head, there's eight points for him. So really all in all did a fantastic job on their three-headed monster. I wonder if there's another player in the country that's six feet tall that gets nine rebounds a game. I don't. I, I don't I'd be very I He's a point guard. Yeah. Yeah, and, it's, and that's one thing that's a little bit surprising with them. And, again, give our guys credit because we actually were a week ago, Eric, we were poor in transition defense. For some reason, it was the first time that week we were not very good on, on transition defense and giving up layups. And so what it does, if your point guard is getting nine rebounds, of course, he's starting to break. And we didn't give up many transition baskets. Uh, and I thought our guys did an excellent, excellent job of getting back, building walls, and really making him work. We made minor work for every single shot that he had to take, even on the pullbacks. You're never going to keep a great player just completely out of the game. Sure. Or two of them anyway. And so I just thought we did a fantastic job of just making him work consistently and constantly throughout 40 minutes to earn all those points. You know, you, you could break down all sorts of different stats on a stat sheet, but they had three fast break points in the game. That's it? Yeah. yeah, and I think there were zero bench points, if I'm not mistaken. Zero. Yeah. And that's a, and I don't know how many we ended up with. Fifteen bench points for you. You know, and that's, we've played a, a, a deep bench all season long, uh, and I think maybe now it can, can really start to wear some people out as you get into the latter part of league play and you get into the latter part of the season. Guys start to wear down. Uh, injuries occur. And, um, you know, I think we do have depth. We still have guys that, that practice hard and, and do some pretty good things. They just haven't gotten a ton of minutes as far as Kez Bell, Gavin Elkamil, David Idata. Uh, so, again, there's still some guys on our bench that can get in games and make an impact, and uh, there's a lot of basketball left to be played. And as long as we can continue to have a deep bench, I just just keep coming at people in waves. And when you go up against good guards like that, you can just keep throwing different bodies at them. You know, it wasn't just Rob Gardner, Ray Sean. It was Evan Ursher did a great job. Dylan, even Adam Larson, who you don't think of as a defensive player, he got caught on switches sometimes and, and used his length and pressured up more so than he has in the past. And so I thought just collectively we did a great job of just not allowing them to operate freely in everything that they wanted to do on the offensive side. And with under a minute to play in the game, you're up by one point, and they've got a shot down on the baseline, and Josh Early goes and erases the shot. You end up getting the basketball after the block shot. If he doesn't get that block, I don't know if you win the basketball game. Yeah, that block, and again, that's the, the growth part of our, our guys. You know, that's now the second, you know, our two league games we've been able to close, even though we didn't really close the way we should have against Southern Indiana. Smart had a big block late in that game. And then threw it off the, you know, just a very yeah. high IQ play uh, to throw it off him and get the ball back uh, for us. Stack, Braxton, to make those free throws. You know, we talked about a post game, but to make those free throws, when you're only up one in a bonus free throw situation, that is when the real pressure is on. Anybody can kind of make a couple free throws if you're up three because it's like, well, you know, we can still defend. We're not going to completely lose the game. If you miss that front end, that's basically a turnover. 
and you're putting everything on your defense. So to step up there and make those free throws uh, was huge for him. And I thought, again, going back to defense and, and rebounding, uh, Braxton can, can hang his hat on that for us. We can really start to develop into being the best version of what this group is supposed to be. And how do you close out close games? You close this one out by hitting your last three shots of the game and by hitting six consecutive free throws in the final minute. That's closing a game. Yeah, and you just, you know, even right before that, I think it was that possession, right before you're talking about that, if our, if our point guard just doesn't turn it over uh, in that one, that one play, uh, when he had a pull-up and tried to force it down to Josh, um, you know, who knows what happens. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll get the explanation of that play. <laughs> He's going to say it's a bad play by the coach. Yeah, I mean, the, the whiteboard sometimes can draw up some things that just make you shake your head. Uh, so, uh, and rebounding the basketball in the game, you only got out-rebounded by two in the game, and uh, the rebounding has not been a strength of this year's team, but you were very competitive on the glass in this game. Twelve offensive rebounds in that game. Yeah, and I, I was a little bit surprised. Sometimes there's always a stat that surprises you a little bit, or the game didn't feel like that. Um, I didn't feel that we were doing a poor job on the glass. There's always a couple possessions where you fall asleep a little bit. Uh, but I was worried about that coming in, and we talked about it with minor average of nine because, again, we talked about it in practice with Rob and the other guards, but to put that on your mind, you really don't have to worry about that too much, a uh, guy going in there. So um, I, I didn't, it wasn't one of those games where I thought, man, we're getting killed on the glass or we can't get a stop uh, because we were doing a good job defensively. So uh, every now and again, you'll have that stat that kind of after the game, like, man, I didn't, it didn't seem that way. But I thought we did an okay job on, on the glass. So they came into the game as the best three-point shooting team in the conference, statistically, percentage-wise. And they had just set a school record 48 hours earlier by hitting 15 three-pointers against Lindenwood and against you, Four of 18 from behind the arc. I mean, that, 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 that stat may have won you the basketball game. Had they gone eight of 18, you may not have won. You defended that three-point arc. Yeah, we did. And, again, it's, it all started out front. Uh, just the activity level of our defense, uh, our guards did a great job. But not just the guards. And, you know, you, of course you talk about Ray and, and Minor. But I thought our big – I thought Josh Early, Mason Hamback, TJ, when he went at the five, being at the level of that ball screen – and not letting those guards get downhill. I thought that was a huge part of the game as well. Uh, so to not allow those guys to ever really see daylight, to make them make one-on-one -on -one plays. And so if you, have to, if you can't get any free looks and you're not assisting, they're not a huge assist team because those guards dominate the ball so much. You know, and I, they, Some people have made some comparisons to like maybe their two-guard play compared to our two-guard play from a year ago. So, well, we led the league in assists a year ago. They're at the bottom of the league in assists. So to make them work for everything, and now when you take away that three-point line, and making them score at the rim uh, really isn't something that they particularly want to do or their biggest strength. And so that's the whole thing with defense is trying to make uh, the offensive guy go to their counter more times than they have to go to their strength. And I thought we did that and, of course, taking away the three-point line. And you stayed out of foul trouble. They only shot 15 free throws in the basketball game. So you were playing defense, but you were playing defense without fouling and sending them to the line. Yeah, and I think, again, it's from the start of the game. Our energy level, again, sound like a broken record, but the energy level and the physicality, we weren't out of position. I think a lot of our fouls come when we're late to the play or we're out of position. And a lot of that has to do with being physical and active up front early in the possession to where now you don't have to. I, me, as a, if I'm a help side defender, if I know Rob is guarding the basketball out front, 
then I, it's easier for me to read and react based upon if he's beat or not beat. But if he's kind of if Rob is in no, no man's land out front, then we have to communicate and talk. And say, like, was well, he beat? Is he not beat? Is he guarding him? Is he not guarding him? And now puts two guys in flux and two guys in. Like, well, are you going to take him or I'm going to take him? And so now when you've got the ball controlled out front and your your energy level and your physicality is there, I can see that you've got him and you're good, and I can get to mine. And so it just helps everything shore up on the back side and on the weak side if we're doing our job up front. And I thought our guys, and again, our bigs did a great job in the ball screens of keeping everything for the most part out of the paint. And uh, the Wright brothers, uh, Shamar and Lamar, uh, for those who don't know, they are the sons, uh, two of the three sons of the late NBA star Lorenzen Wright, who was a star at Memphis, uh, and they have been there literally forever. Shamar Wright just broke their school record. Yeah. He, he's played 141 basketball games. They're both 50-year guys. They're both really good. Shamar Wright is fourth on their all-time scoring list. He got loose early for some stuff, but uh, you defended him in the paint outstandingly after he kind of got a rhythm early. Yeah, again, he's uh, he's kind of, the, even though he's a leading scorer and, uh, even going to make a bad analogy in the football game last night with the Chiefs, Tony Romo before the game was, I know he's a great player, but Travis Kelsey's kind of an X factor today if he gets loose. And I think that Shamar is that for Edwardsville because if he's out there, you know, you get caught up in the guards, but then he's their leading scorer. And if you pay too much attention to them, and he's capable of going for 25. And, again, now you get another guard to go with that, you're in some really, uh, real big trouble. So and he can do a lot of different things. His catch-and-shoot uh, game is good. He's inside the arc. He's active, he's athletic, plays with a high motor. Um, really interesting story, kind of a tragic story. Uh, they've done a documentary on their whole situation on ESPN, and um, actually the, the head coach, Brian Baroni, the reason he ended, they ended up there with Coach Baroni is his Brian Baroni's dad was assistant on the Memphis Grizzlies when Lorenzen Wright was there. So it's kind of a family thing. It's kind of a neat story, actually, that they found a home with the family that another coach coached their dad and uh, so pretty unique story there pretty good storyline there and uh, like you said those guys have been there for a long long time and he's uh, he's going to stay in those record books at Edwardsville for a long time so no offense to Tennessee Tech but uh, I just think SIUE has better players than Tennessee Tech does and to shut them down the way that you did 47 points Jeff Hansa looked it up that is the second lowest point total SEMO has ever held a conference opponent to. The 99-2000 NCAA tournament team gave up 40, I think, 46 points to Tennessee State that year. That's the lowest. This is the second lowest. Yeah, it's just, um, and we said it as a staff after the game, it's like our, our guys kind of messed up. You know, we've tried some things with Scott Report, and we've played a little bit of zone. And I think you do have to have those change-ups. Uh, when they're needed, but um, we showed what we could do. We showed the potential of what we can do on that side of the ball, and that's got to continue on. And uh, we continue to get Josh playing at the level that he's been playing at offensively. Uh, Rob has great statistics offensively. Uh, Evan Ursher made a couple threes uh, the other night, so we can get going and, and clicking. And we played well offensively. Uh, we really did. It's the best that we've moved, and I know the percentages weren't great, and it was a rock fight out there. Uh, but we played good offensive basketball, and it's just a matter of time, I think. But just a little bit more timing, uh, seeing things when they're open. But um, pleased with where the offense is. We get that going a little bit more uh, to go along with the effort, and they see it now um, with the, the effort and the energy in which we have to, to play with to be successful, to keep ourselves in the game. Uh, who knows where this team can go, and that's the exciting part of it. Now 
you're able to challenge them uh, if there is uh, anything that you deem as a lapse in defensive intensity because, guys, I know you can do it. Let's go back. Let's go back and watch some of the film from Edwardsville, right? Yeah, and that's the – again, there's so many ways. It's not like football. You don't get to just get four downs or breaks in between plays. you got to continue to play to the next place. you got to be able to do both. You know, you can't just be an offensive guy in, in basketball. You have got to be able to do both. And um, even Adam Larson, you know, he may not be the most physical, uh, but you can still use your tool. His length, athleticism can still be – pressure without being a physical defender and uh, just getting him to understand that and, and to realize that and I thought Evan Ursher did a great job because he is a physical guard Braxton can be a physical guy Dylan Branson physical Quan is kind of in that Adam mode as far as length athleticism uh, instincts all those types of things and really able to follow and know who players are and, and knowing personnel so we've got enough there it's just a matter of again tapping into it each and every time and, and really for the guys being committed to that you know you can do something once but now can we continue that on I mean, we're going to have to continue it on and have to take it on the road if there's one thing obviously the travels that is defense and going on the road for two against physical uh, martin shoots a lot of a lot of threes uh, great a lot of threes great perimeter play uh, so again and then little rock is just i mean they try to just punk you in the paint there's really no other way around it and so that's going to have to carry. It's going to have to, the defense is going to have to carry. And then I, I say all that, and then you got Linden one on Tuesday. So it's kind of a unique week for us, uh, three games in however many, five days, whatever that is. So My prediction is Keenan Cole will not score 42 next Tuesday. He, he better not. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, you talk about Josh Early, Coach. Uh, it's five straight double-figure scoring games now for Josh, 16 points. Eight rebounds and that uh, tremendous block shot right at the end of the game. Uh, why? Why has his game gone to another level? Uh, you know what? He, Josh, is that guy that after every practice, after every game, even going back to last year, everyone's always on him about Josh. We need more. We need more. We need more. And uh, I think sometimes as a young person, you're just like, man, just leave me alone. You know, I don't. I'm, I'm doing what I can, uh, but I do think, and we've talked about it at length. Eric, you look at Manny Patterson. Um, you look at Nate Johnson. I just think that seniors get to that point where they're just like, you know what, I'm just going to get out here and play. I'm going to let anything, any preconceived notions I might have, or if they're double-teaming me, if they're not double-teaming me, or if coach said this, or if they do that, it doesn't matter. I'm going to go out and play basketball uh, how I know I, I can. And I think he's just at that point. He's playing at such a good pace there. He's playing. He's got amazing touch uh, around the basket. But I, what, what excites me, and I think the group more than anything, is like especially you go back and watch – Saturday's game, uh, if Rob makes a shot or somebody else makes a shot, he's cheering for that shot. He's really engaged mentally within the game. He's not just worrying about if he's scoring. He's not just worrying about if the other guy scores on him. And he really started the season that way. He was really good at uh, Grand Canyon, his activity level, uh, rebounds, block shots. Uh, so to see him do that, not just with the scoring, because we know he can score, but to see him get eight rebounds, to see him block a shot, and it wasn't just that game. He's really kind of been doing his last couple and he doesn't have to block every shot he doesn't have to get every rebound but he's been way more consistent in those areas which obviously helps our group all the way around uh, but just to see his energy level and his uh, his passion for the game and his teammates success I think it's helping him offensively too uh, because again you just get lost in the game you don't worry about anything else and so to see him have that success because this is the potential that Josh has he has all league capabilities from the center position in this conference and he's performing at that level Boy, he's really, really playing well. And, uh, you know, when you say, hey, Josh, we need more, 
that's a new concept for him because yeah. when he was at Tulsa, no, he didn't even get to play. Right, right. And it, and that's what you felt good about coming into the season. That's why I was just I haven't really been around a team like this, quite honestly, Eric, in, in all my years of coaching as far as we've really only had maybe two to three bad practices. And so you look at Dylan Branson, who had, and of course he was hurt, but he averaged nine, eight, nine a game last year. Aquan averaged eight or nine points a game last year. Now he had great guard play ahead of them when Phil and Chris and then Israel and Nate were the next kind of leading scorers and great teammates and substance guys. Uh, but that's why you really thought, okay, you don't have to make these huge jumps. You just kind of have to step into that next role. And I really thought going into the year you could have Quan, Dylan, Josh averaging 12 to 13 and you're balanced in, in your team and we're connected on defense. And I really thought that was going to be the team. And then the way we practice, it's like, well, yeah, we're going to be – we're going to be fine, you know, once we get to league play in some of these games. So we just have these outlier games, uh, UMKC and uh, some of the others, to where we just, when things didn't go right, we kind of just stopped and looked around. But, again, I don't think that we relied on our training as much as we should have. I think we maybe, Josh, we talked about that a little bit a little bit ago, but other guys too, just like, all right, here's how the game's going to go today for me, instead of just, hey, here's how I'm going to play basketball today. And I thought we did that on Saturday. And so, I'm, I'm hopeful that that's, that can be kind of how we move forward through the end of January and then into February. And you also have to remember uh, you can't compare this year's team to last year's team. I mean, you could make an argument last year's team's the greatest ever or the second greatest ever or one of the greatest at Division One because they went to the tournament. So it's not fair to compare this team to last year's team. Mm-hmm. But last year's team, you had two players – Philip Russell was the second leading scorer in the OVC. Chris Harris was the fifth leading scorer in the league. This year, you don't have a player in the top 20 in individual scoring. It's different. You need it from a whole bunch of other guys, whereas last year, if you got a big offensive game, it came from those two guys. Yeah, and I think that's, again, why you know we, 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 find, we captured our potential at the end. Uh, but I also think because of that is why we gave games away even a year ago. And every coach is going to say we should have won ten more sure. games than we did, no matter unless you go undefeated. But we gave games away because we were too offensive driven last year. And so again, keep talking about it's not it's not like football. You've got to be able to play both. And when you get committed to both sides of the ball, uh, that's those are the best teams. We talk about it all the time the best teams in the NBA, championship teams in the NBA, championship teams in the NCAA. They're at the top, top ten, top five in offense and defense. And, again, going back to what when we constructed this team and this roster with the older guys that we had and Josh and Dylan and Aquan, and then the other guys coming back, although they were all stepping into new roles, you felt good about what the balance could be, that you weren't going to be just driven by one guy or two guys or just offense. It was going to be a more complete, put-together type of a team, and we showed that on Saturday. So hopefully moving forward, get the offense clicking a little bit more because the, the style and the system that we do play and what we teach offensively has allowed for a lot of guys to have career numbers. I mean, you go back to even Nigel Russell had the best statistics he's ever had. D.Q. Nicholas had the best statistics he's ever had. Uh, Nate Johnson, Chris, Phil even, um, Nana. I mean, the, the list goes on and on as far as the statistics that they have and the percentages were the highest they ever had in their careers here. So, uh, again, getting guys more acclimated to that and – it always helps when you make some shots. You know, that's the – if you can make some threes, and you, we've seen it all, even not just in our games, but even in OVC play, if Edwardsville makes a, 
if any team makes a career or a school record in threes and doesn't win, I'd love to see that team. Yeah. Just, you know, Moorhead doesn't make any shots and gets beat by 13. You know, and I think that's the other thing that gets lost maybe with our game on Saturday is Edwards will beat Moorhead by 13 and then goes and beats Lindenwood by 20 or whatever it ended up being and then come here and play the way that we play. So they weren't just kind of a reeling team coming in here. They were the hottest team in the league at the time. They're the only team that's beaten Moorhead State. Yeah. Do you see how Western Illinois had got their first loss the other night? I did not. I did not. It, it ended up being, I think, 58-57. Tennessee State hit a shot with three seconds left, and they won by one. Mm. And I think you're going to see a lot of as we keep on It was moving. a sub-60-point game. I mean, it yeah. was, you know. And it's just, I think it's going to be that way. You know, we've already had an overtime game. Uh, this game with Edwardsville came down to the wire. Um, we've worked on what a lot more late-game situations in practice this year than we have in the past. So I think a lot of games, because there's just not that there's not that big a separation. And I don't care what records say. And uh, that's the interesting thing about OVC play. That's the interesting thing about the Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday type games. It's like if you get some momentum going, uh, and you can, you can get on a streak, you can get on a run, but it also can go the other way if you're not careful. All right. Dylan Branson left the game on Saturday. Uh, he came back out of the locker room. He had a walking boot on his right leg, and he had a crutch under his left arm. What do we know about Dylan Branson? Uh, he, he went to the doctor this morning. Uh, we got some solid news, uh, but I don't think that he'll be in any position to be able to play. Um, but I don't think it's going to be one of those situations to where he's out the whole season. Either. Is it a foot because he's had yeah, he's foot. had foot issues with both of his feet? Yeah, it is his foot. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's his foot. So that uh, that is your most experienced player unavailable at least for the uh, for the near future. Yeah, just you know, even going back to um, I think everybody it doesn't matter if CMO or OVC. There's there's always injuries that you have to deal with, but um, I don't want to say you're numb to it, but coming here as a first-time head coach during the COVID year to when it just seems like this is just kind of how it goes. You know, you just don't know what you're going to have. And, again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, having a deep roster and a deep bench, uh, again, even though guys like Gavin Elkin, David, and Kez Bell just haven't gotten a ton of minutes, you need everybody. Uh, you need everybody from a practice standpoint. You need everybody when your number is called to be ready. And those guys have kept a great attitude, Kez and, and Gav. And so now if it comes to that point where you get your opportunity, uh, that's when you got to step up and produce, and uh, as long as you keep a good attitude and keep working, which those guys have, you know, who knows? You know, we're, we're a long ways away. Quan even had a, um, during the game, thumb, gets hit in the nose. We've had TJ go out, elbow to the forehead, and just concussion. BJ's missed games to concussion. You just, you never know what can happen. Quan leaves every game, it seems like, and comes back in. Sometimes injured, <laughs> sometimes not. But, uh, right. But uh, yeah, yeah. So you just you just never know. You can't predict any of that. I'm stuff, saying he but. goes over to see the trainer. It seems like every other game, and then comes back in and makes a play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is he in the doghouse? No, he's not in the doghouse. Okay. He's, uh, well, he didn't start the other day. I know he got the technical that angered you, uh, but I, I just I wondered because you know now Philip Russell would talk to everybody, and Aquan kind of he he's taken the mantle this year of being a guy that likes to talk to the officials a lot. Yeah, and I don't think that that's a mantle you really want to be on no, or have. No, um, Got to just get let some of that stuff go. But, again, some of it, too, though, is like passion and fire from the, from 18 to 22-year-olds. Well, I guess I should say 18 to 25-year-olds now. Um, so some of it you've got to let go, and some of it is just guys playing and competing. Sure. And some of it is overboard, too. Uh, but it's, it's careful. you got to watch yourself, even myself. I got a little bit too wrapped up 
in some of those things, and um, you know you got to focus on coaching your team. You got to focus on the next play and, and playing. But uh, there are moments where emotions take over. We're all human. The referees are human. Uh, but again, as long as you're playing with passion and, and playing for your guys, man, I'll, I'll, I'll rock with you all day long. You rarely get technical fouls, and you talk to the officials constantly during the game. Did you learn where the line was and how to do it from watching Bruce Weber? The thing I learned from Coach is that he was so loud, uh, and they thought he was yelling at him, and he was never yelling at him. He just was trying to talk to him, but his tone was so loud. That's why he always had no voice after a game. Yeah. Like, he, he had a squeaky voice for every post-game interview he ever did in his career. Yeah, I don't. the thing I try to do with the officials is I just try to ask them what they saw. You know, explain to me what you saw. Uh, and then based upon, I really don't get too upset because, again, like I said, they're human. We have turnovers. I draw up terrible plays. Like, it happens. We're sure. all human. Sure. But more more times than I would will get me into my emotions is the response that I get. And that's when I get a little bit upset because it's like, well, wait a minute, man. That's not what – just talk to me like I'm a coach. Talk to me like we're talking about basketball and the principle of what the rule is or whatnot. I'm not – it's not a personal indictment. But at some point, too, i got to stand up for our guys. It's, it is an art. You know, it, it's – Yes, it is. You can't be down 9-1 to one and then just think that that's okay either. You know what I mean? Because then that's when guys start to lose their emotions. So uh, try to get the guys to focus on just playing the game, and I'll handle that part of it. Uh, I know Coach Patino a couple weeks back said he thinks that's part of – non-sportsmanship or whatever he was saying. He doesn't ever say anything to the officials and uh, all that type of stuff. But, again, I, you know, you need to communicate because then you have to, I, as the coach, I have to go communicate to my guys then in the timeout of how what they're seeing and how the game's being played. So uh, I think it's it's both. It's both. But, again, some of that stuff, like, to me, is more of what's your response. Like, don't 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 patronize. You know, don't, don't, don't respond in a way that's going to get me. You know, and sometimes it's, it's my way, too, though. Sometimes I say some things I shouldn't say, and, I've, uh, I've apologized for those things. Okay, talk about uh, Rob Martin's journey to SEMO because obviously he did not come here out of high school after he was the Missouri 6A player of the year at CBC. He went to Indiana State, and uh, let's face it, man, Indiana State had veteran guards uh, that were just that just played in front of him last year. Uh, and how did you know he was available? How did, how did the transition of Rob Martin becoming a Red Hawk, how did that go? Well, we went to uh, we, we watched him in high school his senior going into his senior year of high school in September. We didn't get back out, and we watched him in AAU. We, um, his high school coach is actually Jason Tatum's dad, uh, and so again, just the, and CBC always has good players, and so just the St. Louis area, we're going to know who every kid is in the St. Louis area. Uh, so we went and saw him, and that's why you go and see everybody in the in the September recruiting period uh, for whatever may or may not happen in the end. And uh, of course, we had Phil. So there was no, like, real recruitment as far as, like, come down and visit. We really want you. Because, again, you can't sell that to a kid as far as, like, well, why would I go? And he knows who Phil is. So it's like, well, I'm going to go. Phil's supposed to be there for the next two years. That doesn't make much sense. Um, and then he goes to Indiana State, doesn't get as many minutes or the system or the whatever. It's You know, that's why I think some of this stuff, too, in transferring, Eric, is gets overblown because there are good transfer situations. Uh, like this, and so just knowing who he was when he did go in the portal, and then obviously us losing Phil uh, for him as a young person, so well, there's a great opportunity, and give Phil credit, uh, he helped in that too. As far as hey, here's what they do, here's how they are as coaches, um, here's how we play, and so it really was an easy decision. Oh, I shouldn't say an easy decision for Rob, but I think it helped him make his decision as far as there's an opportunity for me. He knew we were recruiting Braxton at the time. Uh, BJ was committed at the time. So, again, guys he grew up playing with, he knew Dylan Branson, Phil Russell, uh, Kobe Clark, uh, 
if there's any other St. Louis guys that I'm forgetting that have been on our roster, can kind of speak to how we run the program, how it is to be a player in this program. And I think that made the decision easier uh, for Rob because there was some familiarity there. All right, we're going to talk with Rob Martin. First, we'll find out what he had for lunch. He said he was hungry, and uh, he didn't mind eating before practice. Some guys do. Uh, Rob Martin, uh, Red Hawks point guard, will join us when we come back. It's the Red Hawks Coaches Show from Wings Etc. on SEMO. Let's welcome in Red Hawks point guard Rob Martin. Uh, you were telling me that uh, you went with traditional wings. What, what, uh, what flavor did you have? Um, the Chipotle honey barbecue wings. All right, now why is some guys go with the boneless, uh-huh. some guys go bone-in, and more often than not, when guys tell me they go with uh, boneless, it's because they don't want to get they don't want to get their fingers all messy. Um, me, I just like traditional wings, to be honest. Um, they're better than the boneless wings. Um, I can make a mess, so I don't care how my hands are. I totally agree with you. <laughs> I'm bone-in guy. All right. Uh, so, what uh, what was the thought process when you decided, hey, I'm I think I'm I'm gonna not be a Sycamore anymore. I'm gonna be a Red Hawks. Um, like Coach Corner said, um, just talking to Phil and the playing style and um, how they play and just building that relationship with the coaches. Um, and I feel like it was the best fit for me, to be honest. Um, I came down to visit, um, had a good time, felt like home, and that's the reason why, to be honest. Yeah. Cape is a little different than Terre Haute, Indiana, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, you know, you look at uh, your playing time at Indiana State, you only got to play in 12 games, but but they had some veteran guys in front of you, right? That, yeah. That's got to be a shock to the system. You, you've never been a bench guy. I mean, right. you were the 6A player of the year in this state, yeah. uh, and then all of a sudden you don't get to play. How do you deal with something like that? Just in the course, um, being positive, going and practice each and every day, um, working hard, and just, like I said, staying the course, um, talking to the coaches, Coach Bryson there. He helped me out a lot um, when I was at Indiana State, not playing as much. And just working hard, to be honest, keeping my head straight, um, making sure my school is good. And um, I know that it'll probably get greater later, so I just continue to work each and every day, and that was pretty it. Who was the first coach to reach out to you? Bryson. He's at Wyoming now. All right. So, yeah, he reached out to me. I got a, a great relationship with him. I still talk to him to this day. Um, so building that relationship was key there. Um, that's the main reason I really went there. What did you think when you saw the Show Me Center? Because the Show Me Center is better than Indiana <laughs> State's basketball arena. Um, it was a, a, a great arena. Um, it's different from Indiana State for sure. But um, I felt like it was it was good. I mean, it looks good. So. How big is uh, is having nice facilities to a guy when he's kind of deciding between one school or another? Can can facilities put it over the top or not? Um, I mean, it really depends on who you are. Uh, for me, not really. At the end of the day, playing basketball, having fun. Um, so just go out there and have fun no matter where you're playing at. That's how I think. So for me, no, nah, not at all. And when you came on your visit, who were the guys that uh, that you met first? Who were the guys that were – that were talking to you and saying, hey, Rob, you need to be a Red Hawk? Uh, well, I knew DB already from St. Louis, playing him in uh, high school, my sophomore year at Melville in the district championship. So him, um, Gavin, Quan, David, it was a lot of guys I was talking to just trying to build that relationship and ask them about Cape and the coaching style, playing style. So that helped me out, and they, they built that relationship with me as well. All right, you're not a six foot three nah. point guard. How 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 much of a chip on your shoulder do you have because uh, you you aren't the tallest guy in the room? Right. Um, 
I mean, I've been like, I'm not growing. So at the end of the day, I mean, I just gotta play basketball. Like I know how to play basketball. I know I can play at a high level. Um, I just go out there, give it my all, um, and just have the extra effort, that heart, that toughness, like Coach Corn said. Um, and I know I can compete with a guy that's seven foot, six five, or whatever, no matter how tall I am. So. I really don't think about the height, to be honest. I just go out there and have fun and play my game. All right, so when you're at CBC, you win a state championship, and that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, you are playing high-level competition. I mean, is some maybe guys from smaller areas or smaller schools, maybe. I mean, I, you know, I don't know how many Division One guys Adam Larson played against up in Wisconsin. I know you played against a lot of Division One guys. That had to give you a confidence. Hey, I can play with these guys. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, it started with me playing with Caleb Love my freshman year and sophomore year um, in high school. Just learning from him. He's in Arizona now, learning from him, playing on the AAU circuit, um, playing with Brendan Miller and Nick Smith, and just learning from those guys and building relationships with those guys. And um, that helped me a lot along the way. Um, so I say that that was a key, just knowing that I could, I could play with the top guys. I'm on the team with them. Um, don't have to worry about much. Just go out there and play my game. So that helped me, and now I'm here. All right, tell us about the state championship game. Um, the state championship game, we played Nixa. Um, that was a great game, to be honest. I came out the first half, had 16 points early. Um, I just wanted to win state. I went my junior year, we lost. No, we didn't lose. We well, we did lose, actually. Or was that COVID? No, sophomore year was COVID. Junior year, we lost in district championship. So I'm not. So I'm like, I, yeah, I've got to get a, a, a state ring. That was my goal. Um, it's always been my goal. When my freshman year, we lost to Rockbridge. Um, Duan Harris at Kansas now. We played him my freshman year. But, yeah, I needed to get a ring, so I had to do everything that was needed in the game to win that. How much did it uh, did it dictate you coming here was the fact that the the guys last year all got collegiate rings, yeah. championship rings? Yeah. Um, I just want to be a part of winning, to be honest. At the end of the day, I love to win, um, win the championship. Um, going to the Peace Jam, making it far in my 15U year, final uh, final four. Um, so that's pretty much it, to be honest. Um, just I just love to win. Like it's it's hard winning is hard, so you gotta do the key things that that takes to win. So um, yeah, you know you can think that you are able to maybe take over a basketball game at times, which I'm sure you did plenty of times in high school for CBC. Yeah. Uh, but taking over a Division One game, that's a little different. You flat out took over the game against Southern yeah. Indiana. Did, did you feel like you were just in a zone? I mean, you're getting into the lane. You're mm -hmm. double clutching in wild shots. I mean, you're hitting every shot that you take. What's it like to kind of be in a zone like that like you were against Southern Indiana? Um, it was great. Um, my teammates really did the job for me. They was lifting me up and um, just saying, go go play your game. Go make the right plays, even if it's scoring or passing. Um, I like to pass first, but I can score when needed. So that game, I just went out there, played with confidence, made the right reads, and the read was me making a shot um, or making a pass. So that was a great game for sure, and uh, that was a big game for me too. All right, so you hit the buzzer beater at yeah. the end. To beat Southern Indiana, did you know you were taking the shot? I am taking this yeah, shot. Yeah, I, I, I knew. I seen Coach Corn um, tell the guys like to get out of the way, so I got to my spot in the mid-range, one move and go, and I knew it was money. You, so when you when it left your hands, you knew? Yeah. 
And then how about the confusion afterwards? The clock stopped, yeah. and then it started, and yeah. you didn't know if you had won the game. That was kind of weird. Yeah, that was weird. Um, I just I didn't want the shot to go in. He took the shot, so I just wanted the game to be over, to be honest. Um, that was a lot of confusion, but at the end of the day, we got the W. How about good. recovering from the end of regulation? What goes through your mind when their point guard, who's a lefty, yeah. Has to throw up this wild right-handed three-pointer, and it goes in yeah. to send the game into overtime. How do you process that and immediately, you know, get back into the thought process of, hey, we got five more minutes here? I mean, that's basketball for you at the end of the day. Um, he's left-handed, making a right-hand shot was crazy. Um, <laughs> but we just knew we had to play five more minutes and get the W and uh, stay together, um, fight adversity, and which what we did and. That was good for us. How about uh, right now, how much confidence do you have in uh, Josh Early, man? If I throw the ball into the post, I know he's going to make a play, whether he's going to get a bucket or whether he's going to find the open man if they come with a double team. Yeah, I would think you got a lot of confidence in Josh Early right now. Yeah, I do for sure. Josh is my guy. Um, and we've just been giving him the ball a little bit more, um, a lot more actually, um, finding him deep post touches. And I just try to tell him to, like dominate your man, nobody could guard you. Um, keeping him up, up, uplifts him, and um, give him the confidence to go out there and just dominate each and every day, which I know he can. So um, he's a big key for this team, and he's been he's been hooping, and uh, he's gonna continue to do that as well. How much smack talk was going on with the Marco Miner and Rayshon Taylor on Saturday? Uh, Are those guys talkers? Nah, they wasn't talking okay. for real. All right. Um, I don't really trash talk, so I just let my game do the talking. We came out with the W, so. We can't ever hear what a Quan is saying, but he's always nah, talking. Yeah, he is, for sure. Quan do say some overboard stuff. So if if it was just a foot race from baseline to baseline, can anybody beat a Quan Smart running? Um, yeah. Okay. He's not as fast as I think he is. Who, who's who's the fastest guy baseline to baseline? Marquez, probably. Okay. Marquez, then me. Well, me first, then Marquez, then Quan. Okay. I'm first. All right. You're number one. Yeah. All right. And how cool is it to, to have a teammate whose brother plays for Michigan, just got a national championship, oh, and yeah, his older yes. brother yeah. plays for the 49ers, and mm -hmm. they're playing for the a NFC championship on yeah. uh, on Sunday. That's got to be kind of cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um I mean, I'm really used to being like around guys that's like known like my high school coaches, Jason Tatum dad. So being around Jason Tatum and him coming to our practices and watching us play in games and stuff. So um, Marquez is a great guy um, on the court and even off the court. So um, he talks about his brothers a lot. Michigan did win the, the championship. So the next day, I went to Alabama to win, um, but they ended up losing early. So, yeah, he talked about it a lot. Then Ronnie Bell and from the 49ers as well. So. That's good. So you're rooting for the 49ers, though, right? Um, nah. Okay. I'm just like, maybe you'd be rooting for your team. Who are you rooting for? Um, nobody, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. You don't like the Chiefs? Ravens. Ravens. Okay. You yeah. like the Ravens? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So then if if the Ravens would win, the Harbaugh brothers would be the kings of the football world, right? Yeah. Jim, national championship. John wins the second Super Bowl. Yeah. All right. Jason Tatum. Give us a good Jason Tatum story. And did he get on the floor and... And uh, and play with you guys oh, at all? Oh God! My sophomore year, he came to practice and dominated us. Like he didn't miss. It was crazy. Like we was playing like you know how you play three on three on three. Um, we was playing that and like he did not miss. It was crazy. But um, he's a good mentor to me. Like 
Um, I talked to him a lot when I committed. Um, he just told me to keep going and stay focused, and he's watching and stuff. So he's like a big brother to me, and I continue, continue to communicate with him and have that relationship with him, so that's huge. And he's got a real chance to win the championship this year. Yeah, they're, they're really good. They're winning this year, for sure. I think he'll get a room. And, he, I mean, he, he may make a run at MVP, right? Yeah, hopefully. Joel Embiid, though, that's a, yeah, he'll be a tough guy to, to dethrone. Nobody can stop him. And Boston, I mean, they just lost their first home game the yeah. other night to Denver. Can't win them all, though. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe they, they – I think it was like 21-0 or 22-0. 20-0. Yeah. yeah. So you can't win them all. So you're rooting for the Celtics. I guess that goes without saying. Yeah, for sure. All right. Rob, awesome time, great job, and uh, we'll see you as we head to yes, uh, Martin on Thursday. I appreciate you for having appreciate me. It. All right. Thank you. Rob Martin, Red Hawks starting point guard. We'll be back to wrap it up with uh, Coach Brad Korn when we come back. Uh, talk about the UT Martin Skyhawks. They're going to be launching a bunch of three-point baskets on Thursday night. Red Hawks Coaches Show is at Wings Etc. And it's live on SEMO ESPN at Wings Etc. in Cape. Thanks to Rob Barton. He did a great job uh, on the show. And uh, Coach Brad Korn rejoins us. He didn't seem nervous. No, he, he I've didn't. seen plenty of nervous athletes that I've talked to. He he didn't seem nervous. No, he was good. He was good. I told him when, right when he got off, I said, I didn't know he had that much public charisma, so I'm going to I'm gonna have to get after him a little bit more, I guess. He's got a little charisma. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> so uh, in back-to-back games, you're going to be facing the best three-point shooting team in the league. SIUE is no longer, after what you did to him on Saturday, now UT Martin has ascended to the throne, and they are the number one scoring offense, over 80 points per game. Uh, I don't know how much emphasis they put on defense in, in Martin, Tennessee, uh, but they can fill it up, can't they? Yeah, they, just a lot of threes uh, from all over the floor, too, from a lot of different positions. So it's not just one guy or two guys. Uh, so it's going to be a tough, tough match. It's always tough for us to play down there for whatever reasons, or at least since I've, I've been here. So uh, we need to change that narrative. Uh, hopefully this, again, the game on Saturday gives us a lot of confidence heading into that. And, again, it's going to start with defense. Uh, defense has got to travel. And we'll get down there. And, again, I think our guys will be ready to go. But uh, they're going to put us in some compromising situations. But, again, it's a 40-minute basketball game. Even if guys make a couple shots, you got to stay the course. Uh, you got to stay committed to what we're trying to do. Uh, Jordan Sears is, a, I mean, one of the best, if not the best. He's the leading scorer in the league. Yeah, he's just, I mean, he's a, he's a tough matchup. He's strong. He, he can shoot threes. He can get to the rim. Uh, that's I think the biggest thing is to understand where guys have success. The other night, guys weren't they weren't at the rim scores. Jordan Sears is, and he can shoot threes. So he's going to put us in a lot of compromising situations. Uh, we'll start that process today at two o'clock uh, with the guys, and hopefully we can continue to carry on. Uh, what we started on Saturday with them, because we're going to have to have it. If you don't show up and play defense, you're not going to beat them there at their place with the way they shoot and the way they score. And uh, this is one of the first times this year that it's a long, extended road trip for the basketball team. It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all on the road, because you'll turn right around. Uh, You're going to stay all night uh, in Martin after the game and then travel to Little Rock the following day and then play Little Rock on Saturday. So this is a long road trip for everybody. Yeah, a long road trip. Um, and it feels like we've had long road trips all season long. Uh, I don't know if I did the best job on, on scheduling. but um, And that's a big reason why we'll stay. 
Uh, just again, by the time after the women, it's just sure. you're getting back at one in the morning just to turn around and leave again the next day at one in the afternoon. You might as well just stay out. So I, I think it's the right move. Yeah, and again, it's not. I think it's like four hours in between Martin to Little Rock, uh, so nothing crazy. Uh, get over there, practice at third place, and really at about this time in the season too, Eric, you're really just keeping things tight, just keeping things fine-tuned. Your practices have, have really dwindled down. Um, especially if you start to lose certain guys. Of course, we've had we've been without Kobe and and Dylan will practice today, and so you just got to be smart in how you manage your high minute guys, but also keeping the other guys fresh and ready to go when their number is called. So I know in the NBA they play a ton of games, of course, and they play three on three basketball a lot on game day. The guys that don't get in a lot, so you always got to stay sharp. You always got to be ready. Uh, it's going to take everybody we have on our roster to win these two road games and and really three because you have Lindenwood on Tuesday. And it seems like uh, your defensive toughness that you just showed on Saturday, uh, the one opponent that may challenge uh, your defensive intensity more than any other team is UT Martin because of how good they are on offense. Yeah, I mean, again, spacing you out, and that's – it's kind of the ultimate equalizer, and I don't know. They if play a different style. Yeah, and they're not necessarily a live by die by. That's what they do. Um, so again, if they're making a bunch of threes, I just it's hard to overcome that. It's going to be hard for our team to overcome that because we're not the most uh, efficient or most uh, high scoring team in the league. That's just not who we are this year to this point. So we're not going to be able to get out there and just trade baskets and trade threes with them. And so it's styles make fights, and we have to know what style helps our team have success and it's not going to be to allow them uh, to shoot a bunch of threes and in easy looks they're going to shoot a bunch of threes but they can't just be because of our defensive breakdowns they've got to be contested threes and with long threes comes long rebounds but it's also just like anything your greatest strength can also be your greatest weakness so if we get shutouts we get those secure those rebounds we can get in transition which now obviously helps our offensive flow and gives us a little bit more energy back on defense so uh, that's going to be a challenge, and then Little Rock is going to be almost not a complete opposite, uh, but they're a little bit more in the paint, in your face, offensive type of a team. So again, styles make fights. Every game is different. Every team is different. And uh, but the one thing that has to remain the same and the constant is your defensive intensity and effort. And the Red Hawks have not had a lot of success lately at the Elam Center, although uh, I would say probably the most thrilling win Simo ever had over there. Antonius Cleveland hit a half-court shot at the buzzer to beat them uh, at their place. So that was. That was pretty fun. All right, uh, so we'll depart on Thursday, and uh, you got practice. Uh, what time today? One thirty. One thirty. One thirty today. So right. we'll hit some SIUE film and some Martin film, and clean some things up, and then uh, yeah, get ready for a big, uh, big three-game stretch in, in whatever that is, five, six days. And uh, you would think if somebody was going to have a big game at Martin. It would be a guy named Rob Martin, right? Maybe, maybe he's the guy on Thursday night. Yeah, and he's been he's been so consistent for us really since we started league play. And I think the thing that gets lost with him is he was hurt in the summertime, he was hurt in the beginning of the season. So he's really just now where I thought he could have been maybe at the start of the season. So um, just works, like I said, just works hard, finds his way. He comes in, watches a ton of film with Coach Wheeler, works out all the time. Uh, so just really, really happy with where he's at, and I think it's uh, he's going to continue on to have a great. Uh, great first year with us. Great job, Coach. Thanks so much for the time, and we'll see you Thursday. Okay, sounds good, Eric. Thank All you. right, that's the Red Hawks head coach, Brad Korn. Thanks to Rob Martin. Thanks to uh, Rachel Cook, Mike Rennick, our engineers on site here. We'll get you back into ESPN radio programming, and uh, they'll be recapping all of those big football games from over the weekend. Hope you enjoy the rest of your Monday, everybody. So long from Wings and Sons.